Welcome back to Start Kyle Orton. I'm Travis. Kyle's here with me. Uh, and Kyle, uh, I have a question for you. Um, are, are we sick? Because I'm coming into this week off of one preseason game, and I feel like I have way more than an hour's worth of things to talk about with the Bears, and I'm wondering if we're diseased in some way. Uh, of that, there can be no question. Here we are, two <laughs> men in our mid-30s with a podcast named after Kyle Orton talking about the traditionally third-best franchise, possibly, in the NFC North. Um, so, yeah, no, I definitely think... Okay. Ah, that was too. That was too. You, nice you didn't have to put it that way. That was too uh, nice to Minnesota. Yeah, we're not well, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a lot to talk about. Reactions to this first preseason game for sure. Probably going to dominate most of it. Um, reactions to these two days of uh, Bears Colts scrimmaging that have just happened. There was some stuff worth discussing there. Um, probably more worth discussing than the preseason game. That's going. Oh, there is a thirsty dog in your house, isn't there? All right. Uh, she won't stop. She yeah, won't stop, folks. <laughs> can't stop. Won't stop. Uh, yeah, and then probably more to talk about with these two scrimmages that just happened with the preseason game that's going to happen here in a couple days because they've already said Fields is not playing, uh, which is yep. usually a general indication that you don't have to take this game very seriously at all, uh, even for a preseason game. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of interesting things. Uh, it was interesting for me to contrast the preseason game with the training camp narratives that we were hearing about certain players. There was definitely a some of the guys I expected to flash did not, yeah. and some of the guys who sounded like they were struggling really did. So we'll have to discuss how much maybe that matters. What do you think they're putting more emphasis on? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so where did uh, where did you want to start? I mean, it, my God, like. So I uh, thought we've got we a lot talk to talk about today. Very but, uh, quickly. What's the number one thing you wanted? Yeah, to talk I kind about? of, I, I kind of broadly divided the team into two 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 camps. Um, there are the guys who really don't have anything to prove this preseason or this camp. Uh, their roster spots are safe, etc. Their starting jobs are safe. Uh, so I just thought we could comment on them really quickly. Uh, and then I thought we'd spend the bulk of the time on the guys with something to prove. These guys that are in competitions, these guys that are fighting for roster spots, for for starting spots. Um, but yeah, I think number one thing, obviously, that I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on right now. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time on it throughout the season. I hope we do. Uh, DJ Moore is good. Hmm. I don't yes, think he's controversial. Does, he does seem to be quite quite uh, uh, acceptable I, as a wide he, receiver. He has. The speed, he mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. the good. So, um, yeah, I mean, that. I think the one thing I do want to say about that is that I, I, we love Justin Fields. God, I think we've proven that. I, I know Bears fans bristle at any criticism of the guy. That wasn't even a good throw. It was behind DJ. DJ had to turn yeah. around to gather it up. And it didn't matter. He was still gone. So it was and – th- and that was something that came up. Uh, that's come up a couple times in practice. You see, if you see a couple of the fields to more highlights, not every, I mean, some of them from Justin are absolute darts, but not every play that DJ Moore has made that I've seen video of has been a perfect throw from Justin Fields. And that's awesome because last year, yeah, no, Justin did not make perfect throws as often as he should have. Anyone will tell you that. But also if he didn't make a perfect throw, it damn sure wasn't going to be a play. It wasn't going to be a catch. He had to be perfect. Every time. I mean, I think if I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember 
the the Komet one-handed grab in Atlanta, maybe like the one time last season that I really remember a receiver bailing Justin out and making a play. Um, so yeah, to have a guy like DJ Moore that can turn around, gather up the football, adjust to the ball, and still go out there and make a play, get a bunch of yak, that's cool. So DJ Moore, good. That's our first quick hitter. Do you have anything to add to that one? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the story of camp, right? Is, wow, Justin Fields to DJ Moore seems to be a thing that's going to happen often, um, and it's a thing that seems to be working very well. So it was nice to get out there um, and see the second pass of Justin's three-pass day go to DJ Moore, and then DJ Moore just runs straight to the end zone, right? It doesn't really matter to me if it's behind the line of scrimmage or not. Um, I mean, the other thing, I guess, if you want to give a nice little shout-out to Justin, uh, although we've said probably everything we can about him, um, you know, part of the reason that we got two touchdowns on these short pass plays is because he's Justin Fields, and you can't just sit there waiting for a wide receiver screen or the running back screen. You've got to try to contain Justin. Right. He draws the defense in, yep. and then, sorry, now DJ Moore's gone, or, you know, later, Khalil Herbert's gone. Yeah, I mean, we I mentioned this because longtime nemesis of the Scottcast, Hub Arkish, you know, he had a real tweet about Justin Fields where he was saying, oh, he had as much to do with it as I did, blah, 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 blah. It really wasn't anything Justin Fields did. And it's true, it wasn't anything that Justin Fields did on those three plays. But as someone, yeah. you know, there's a good Twitter account called Honest NFL. He, I think he's a gentleman that used to work for the Eagles. Um, but he really, he's, he's very good about schematic stuff. And he was saying, like, that th- those plays happen because of who Justin Fields is. On yeah. third and eight, you can't play a light box and spread guys out on the perimeter. You have to be worried about con- – you have to spy Justin Fields. You have to contain Justin Fields. You have to be worried about that third and eight scramble. And what that means is that you're going to get some easy looks on the outside to guys like DJ Moore. And last year they didn't really have the weapons on the perimeter to, to take advantage of that. But now when you've got a Justin Fields in the middle and you've got a, Ju- and a DJ Moore or, or a Chase Claypool, a Darnell Mooney, all of those guys outside, you're going to have to make some hard choices – uh, and then moving into the next quick hitter I had, you got Khalil Herbert in the backfield, and he's a yep. home run hitter himself too. I mean, uh, I feel I, it was nice to see Khalil flash because I do think he has been a little bit forgotten because uh, the Bears added Dante Foreman, they added Travis Homer, uh, obviously Rashawn Johnson. Uh, we'll talk about Rashawn later, but there's been a lot of focus on like who ends up being the starting back, who's the lead back here. Um, and Khalil Herbert was, what was he, second in yards per carry among all running backs last year? Khalil Herbert is... Uh, I believe he was second or third, yep. Yeah, I mean, he he is an explosive running back. He is a home run hitter. Um, we, we talked about this last year when, when Herbert got hurt, uh, and it was just Montgomery carrying the load. That was when you really yeah. saw that, that, that QB option game that they had kind of developed midseason start to peter out a little bit. Because yeah. on every read option they would start putting two guys on Justin Fields because asking whether you want David Montgomery to carry the football or Justin Fields to carry the football, that's not really a pick-your-poison situation. You'll take David Montgomery, you'll take the three yards, the four yards, the five yards over what Justin Fields can do every time. David Montgomery did not scare defenses. He was not an explosive player. Khalil Herbert is an explosive player. We saw that multiple times. Like, yeah, you can make Justin Fields pitch the ball, but if he's pitching it to Khalil Herbert or if he's handing it off to Khalil Herbert, that's going to damage you too. You're going to give up more yards than you want to to a guy like that. So 
Um, I don't. I, I'm still not sure who's going to be the feature back. I don't know if one running back will come out as the feature back of this offense. But Khalil mm-hmm. Herbert, that was a really good opportunity for him to say, like, "Hey, I am still here. I'm. I'm still. I. I. I could be your number one running back still for sure. I. I'm. Don't forget about me." Yeah the the truly insane level of wide open that play was that screen. Um, it's just a testament. Like, the book on Justin Fields is very simple. If you just watch last season and you don't factor in, like, any of the extenuating circumstances, you're going to say, if it's third long, he is going to hold the ball too long, and then he is going to try to run, right? Because he did it a lot. That's what he had to do. He had guys who weren't open. He would hold the ball, nothing would develop, and then he would sprint and try to get the first down himself. So if I'm an opposing head coach... That's what I'm saying. I'm like, don't worry. He's going to hold on to the ball, try to sack him. So now we're running out of screen, which is the perfect play call for this because you don't think he's going to throw it quick. And anybody who thinks they're going to have a shot at sacking him is screaming at him. They aren't going to stop. They aren't going to think about the play. Oh, my God. You look at that play on the All-22. There was nobody uh, in front of Herbert for, like, almost 40 yards on that screen pass. It was him, and it was two linemen, and they were like, Oh, like what's going on here? I mean, it's insane what what Justin Fields can do. And once teams have to throw the book out on him, this whole offense is going to open up and it's going to be something. Well, and I mean, it's just that there's, it's the presence of DJ Moore too, Mm -hmm. because yes, you're keeping that guy to spy on Justin Fields, but you're also probably keeping some guys deep to guard that home run ball. Yeah. With DJ Moore or guard that home run ball from Darnell Mooney. Uh, you, so even even the guys that you have on the outside, you're not you're not pressing. You're not right up on the line of scrimmage. You're not, which is something that they would do last year that Week 17 game in Detroit, especially like they Detroit's whole game plan was literally just mean mug the shit out of the Bears wide receivers and man to man coverage and prove that they could beat him and they couldn't. They didn't have the guys. Um, and so th- that's what they're saying this year is that like you've got to play off a little bit, you've got to give us a little space, and that's going to make. The, I I I was on uh, the as a guest star on the On Tap uh, Sports Bears podcast last night with uh, Quentin. He's a uh, at Butkus Stats on Twitter. He's a guy that I've mentioned a few times throughout this podcast. Great dude if you are a Bears fan to follow. But he asked one of the questions he asked me was like, "Do you think the Bears will be one of the top five teams in the NFL?" in terms of screen usage this year. And I said, absolutely. I think Luke Getzey's not doing his job mm-hmm. if they're yeah. not. With the things that Justin Fields does and, and the, the run game they have, um, yeah, they, they should. And, and the, the weapons they have now, I mean, because DJ Moore is a guy that you can throw a screen to and get some yak. Ch- Chase Claypool, honestly more of a yak guy than he is a go-up-and-get-it guy when we talked about Quentin Johnston from uh, – Texas sure. Christian during the draft yeah, historically you you look at Quentin Johnson and you, and you, you think he should play like Randy Moss but he doesn't um Chase Claypool is kind of the same kind of thing you want him to you want him to be that Brandon Marshall type dude but he's really more of a guy where you give him the ball and he will go get you some yak so they've got screen weapons there Getsy was pretty good with tight end screens last year to commit and now they've got Robert Tanyan in there too as an option and then that backfield is loaded with guys who can take a screen for sure so, yeah, I, w- I would expect them to be a heavy screen usage team, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it, it's going to work very well for at least a few weeks because there, there's just no way that other teams aren't saying, just pursue fields. He'll hold the ball. Like, that's what we do. We're going to straight pass rush. We aren't going to think about it. The screens are going to be there. Herbert's going to be great at it. Um, 
I don't, this is, I guess, a good transition. We thought earlier in training camp, they were getting a lot of pass reps to uh, Deontay Foreman. Um, and we thought, well, they want to use him in the pass game more. And maybe with this past week, what we're seeing is they want to see if he measures up to Roshan Johnson. Like, how many reps do we give you? Because I, Roshan's right here. <laughs> yeah, I really, yeah, I think, and we'll talk about Roshan in a little bit too. But yeah, it definitely seems like they are trying to figure out what the best usage of those backs is going to yep. be. And I think Roshan, or Roshan makes that conversation so interesting um, because the thing that keeps most running backs off the field is rookies. The thing that has kept Khalil Herbert from being the starting running back yeah. throughout his career is that most pass pro is, is a steep learning curve for most running backs coming out of college. But Roshan, it... it sounds like throughout i mean it, that's his college tape confirms this his college pff grades confirm this um and then everything we've heard out of camp and everything we saw in that first preseason game confirmed that roshan is is as complete a a pass blocker in in the running back game, as a running back as i can remember coming into the league mm-hmm. in recent memory and if he's ready to be that then i mean that's that's hard to keep off the field because that is a guy he's versatile enough he can carry the ball for sure um and he, he can pass block, so that really, that puts the onus, I think, on a guy like Donta Foreman to be like, all right, so then we can hand the ball to Khalil Herbert, he's our home run hitter, we can hand the ball to Roshan, and he can pass block. So what is it that you bring to the table that makes you worth getting these touches, getting these snaps, getting these opportunities? So I think it's going to be a fascinating thing to follow all season long with all three of those running backs, for sure. Um but yeah, great problem to have, uh, unless you so, want to yeah. pick one of them in fantasy. Uh, great yeah, I mean, problem for the Bears to have. Because, yeah, the backfield is so much better already, in my opinion, than last year. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. I know Bears fans love David Montgomery. I, I know that. Um, but he just really, every time the ball was a hand, every time the play was a handoff to Montgomery, it just felt like a wasted play How, compared to what... Over, what over under on games... Lions games, where Lions fans just start begging the Lions to keep Jameer Gibbs in the entire game. Like, how many games does it take? <laughs> Probably not many. I, like I two, three, yeah. before they're like, okay, just leave Gibbs in. Like, please, yeah. stop. Yeah, I, there was there was a tweet last year from an old friend of mine. Um, the, on Twitter, I think is I think he goes by Torque Penderloin um, nowadays. But I will, I will always know him as Slakey. Um but he was tweeting about it was one of those games where Khalil Herbert had like sixty yards on six touches and David Montgomery uh-huh. was doing it. David and his tweet was just the Bears have a very versatile backfield. Like they can hand the ball to Khalil Herbert when they want a lot of yards, and then they can hand it to David Montgomery when they want a lot less. Yeah. So <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> I was um. like I was like, it's mean, but it's true. So yeah, I think I mean and De- Dante Foreman was one of the best ball carriers last year in the league when it came to yards after contact. Uh, and he had a lot of explosive runs. So yeah. He, as the, I, he, I do think he's going to be like the goal line back, the short yardage back. But even in that, he is an advantage over Montgomery. And then you still have Herbert, and then you have added Rashawn Johnson, who's going to be one of the most interesting people on this team this year uh, in terms of what his role ends up being. So, yeah, the back, but last year, you know, you had Montgomery, who was just disappointing. And, and like I said, when it, when it came to that option game, and it was keep Monty, make Monty keep it or make Fields keep it. They pick Monty every time. That didn't scare them. This year, you'd like to give them a couple options that scare them where they don't really have a right choice to make. Uh, 
so yeah, there that, that that should be good. And then I think the last thing, last quick writer I had on, I guess a guy who he does have something to prove in terms of proving that he is a good NFL player. He's a guy who does not have anything to prove in terms of his roster spot or his starting spot. Uh, we mm-hmm. only saw three pass pro reps out of Darnell Wright. Uh, I was very impressed with all three. They looked darn good. How about you? Uh, I mean, pretty much perfect. Yeah, he does. We we talked about this a bit when we were hyping up Darnell before the draft. Um, but he does this thing. Uh, I think of it as the Darnell zone. Uh, it's a Prince of Tennis reference uh, for all you Prince of Tennis fans out there. Uh, but basically, when he drops back into pass protection, he somehow makes it so the defender just just gets sucked right into his chest. Like, it doesn't matter what they do, it doesn't matter what move they try to pull, it doesn't matter where they go. They're going to end up having to be blocked right in front of him, and there's just nothing you can do with him there. Um, and they just all looked like, it looked like they had no shot against him, which is great. And again, it's three reps or whatever, but I wanted to see the Darnell Wright from Tennessee here in the NFL, and that's what I got in the first game. So I assume we'll get a couple reps the second preseason game, but... Um, I'm only assuming that because it sounds a lot like Fields is going to sit because Eberflus thinks the line is the problem, not Justin. So I'm thinking maybe Darnell will get a few snaps. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll see some reps from from some Darnell and some of the and Braxton Jones. Um, I think they think those guys. And I mean, if Nate Davis is gonna he's returned to practice, if he's gonna get some padded reps, that would be nice. I'd like to see that group start to get some cohesion. But then, unfortunately, it sounds like Cody Whitehair. Uh, is out at the moment too, so I don't know how long that's going to be. Uh, Interesting, there. Out, uh, Doug, yeah, Doug Kramer uh, coming in there. I wonder about Patrick. I've seen, I've heard a little noise that maybe Patrick doesn't have a secure spot on this team. Uh, well, he's not been practicing. At this point. He's not healthy. Yeah. and and that's been a consistent theme since he's signed. Uh, the only thing I have heard though, nobody's been real impressed with Doug Kramer. So I would think yeah. if Lucas Patrick isn't going to make the roster, they're probably looking around for uh, someone with center experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, Darnell limited reps looked very good. And then what I've heard, I guess we'll talk about this later, but what I've heard is against the, in the two scrimmages against the Colts also, he's looked very good in pass pro. It yep. sounds like he has steadily improved after kind of a rough first week or maybe even two of camp. But I, the, the news about Darnell has been getting better. It's been a little while since I've heard anything negative uh attached to his name so that's great obviously but yeah that wraps up the guys who you know are nothing really else out of the presumptive starters the people whose roster spot are safe um to really talk about but there is a lot of guys who have a lot of things to prove there's a lot of of starting spots on this team that aren't necessarily set yet a lot of roster spots uh where there's intense competition and some guys showed some good things some guys showed some bad things we're ready to start off with uh number one a uh, guy who has gotten a lot of attention throughout camp and, and got a lot of attention in that game is Tariq Stevenson. So what I thought was interesting about Tariq in that game was he got the the Titans gave him a lot of work. He, he got they targeted sure eight, eight times. Um, but in true Tampa two corner fashion, he allowed six completions to so six of eight. You would normally, you would not call that a good day at the office if your corner's being targeted eight times, but he only gave up, and he gave up six catches. But uh, one of them was on that opening drive. He gave up a 30-yard completion. Mm-hmm. You don't want that. So that was a net, uh, that was a, a minus that I had. But then again, if you take out, I, th- I think the grand total uh, was six six targets, or six catches on eight targets for a total of 61 yards. 
Um, but if half of that came on one 30-yard completion, that means for the other five catches went for a grand total of 30 yards. That is six yards per catch. He had a pass breakup in there that was a base, almost a, not really a dropped interception. It was very close to an interception. He jumped. I was going to say pretty much jumped, a dropped interception. Jumped, yeah, <laughs> jumped, jumped the route right there on the sideline. Um, but that is, I mean, that is the Tampa two. That was the not comparing him to Peanut, but like that is the role of corners in this defensive scheme, as we know. It's not you are not Darrell Revis. You're not out there matching up with wide receiver one every snap. You're not trying to be a true like you're 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 playing some coverage. Or you're playing some zone, you're giving some cushion, rally and tackle. Rally, yep. identify, rally and tackle. And that is what we saw a lot of from Tyreek. I thought it was a very promising debut. He did not give up more than the bare minimum on every one of those targets. Like, yeah, if the quarterback wants to to throw it three yards, we'll we'll give you the three yards. That's just how this defense works. Um, but we'll make the tackle and that's that. It'll you know, fine. It's third and seven now instead of third and ten. We'll give you that. So I thought it was a good day for Tariq. What about you? Yeah. Um, I mean, the things that we had been hearing out of camp with him and Chase, um, we, we kind of, con- there was conjecture about, you know, whose side was more at fault there, like what was going on. Um, and one of the things we were talking about is he seems like he's going to be right in people's hip pockets. He's going to be annoying. He's going to get under wide receiver skin. And that's pretty much what he was all day. Like you said, one bad pass just to start off the game. Um and then from then on, he's just right on a guy. They catch the ball, they get tackled. Um, yeah, he had a very easy interception there. He just dropped. Um, and I wouldn't expect well, him to drop say, that going forward. I don't want to say it was an easy interception there, because it was a heck of I mean, he re- He, he made it look like, easy. Yes, he had a great yeah. read. He stepped was, right in yeah. front of his man. He dropped what would have been a, a slight, what, what was maybe an easy catch. I don't want to call it an easy yep. interception, because the interception... Absolutely, was the act of reading, fair. reacting, jump, and he was fantastic at that. Like, he yeah. read that play perfectly, he sniffed it out. That was a great play. It would have been an excellent play if he just held on to the football. But still, yeah, that was... Yeah. The instincts there were great. Yeah, zero complaints about Tyreek. I'm excited to see more of him yeah. as we go along. One of the things I had heard about Tyreek that I didn't necessarily see on the film that I had watched him um, at Miami was that he was a really good tackler, a very willing tackler. Um, so I was waiting to see if that was accurate, if that's something in the NFL, and he it seemed like he loved it. I mean, yeah. hard to be impressed by his tackling when you have uh, the human missile Kyler Gordon yeah, flying yeah, in right. on every goddamn play, but yeah, he also a, was a very strong tackler. Yeah, what a transition. That Good job there. Yeah, no, um, we ta- I think we mentioned this a little bit last week. One of the stories out of camp has been that Kyler Gordon, who, as we know, struggled a lot as a rookie, has been possibly the star of the Bears' defense in camp. He has been... Mm-hmm. sniffing out plays in the backfield he's been smothering guys he has had some interceptions he's had some sacks or would be sacks um he's had a couple he's stripped the ball a couple times a couple of peanut punches uh and yeah that was exactly what we saw from kyler in this game he was everywhere he was supposed to be he was laying big hits on guys he was sniffing out runs in the backfield um and that, i mean that's what you're hoping for kyler just because we, we talked about this where he was put in a really unfair situation last year. Everyone that's played in this system will tell you that nickel is maybe the most mentally demanding position in this scheme. You don't just get to line up against one guy and and know that's your guy and that whatever. You have to be reading the motion. You have to be reading 
the formation. You have to know when you're handing your guy off, whether you're playing man, whether you're playing zone. Sometimes you're, you're often the most frequently used blitzer. You have a lot of assignments against the run. That, that is a, a lot to throw at anybody as a rookie. And then on top of that, injuries and everything force them to move him outside, move him inside, move him outside, move him inside. And that just wasn't – he can't – that was too much for the kid um, for sure. So this offseason, he has, he's been at the nickel. He's been only at the nickel. He's been allowed to folk, to hone his craft solely at the nickel, and all the reports from camp were fantastic. And in, in that first preseason game, we, we saw him translated, at least for one preseason game, onto the field. He looked like the guy that's been advertised as, as Spider-Man the last couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess I was expecting more grace um, from somebody whose nickname became Spider-Man, but he just seemed relentless. Um, I think Jim Miller, this this was a weird reference, and I, um, but I guess it works given our history in the podcast of talking about him, but uh, he brought up Witherspoon uh, when he saw how, how Kyler was playing. He was like, he's just like uh, Witherspoon out of Illinois. He's just, he's running around, he's hitting people as hard as he can. It seems like he really enjoys it. That's just not the vibe I got from Kyler at all last year, but, oh, he was having a ball out there. Um, well, he, so, yeah, the secondary really surprised and impressed me. I mean, he's a Ryan Poles draft pick, so you know he's athletic. He's very athletic. He has the instincts. He just, last year, he very clearly, especially early on the first half of the season, he didn't know yeah. what the fuck he was supposed to be doing. He yeah. was He was reacting. He wasn't reading. Um, so and, and corner is a hard position. It, the, the number of guys who come in and dominate as a corner as a rookie is a lot smaller than the guys who break out in year two and year three. So this is it's not unprecedented if he really turns it no, around. No, not at all. They, they've tried to simplify things for him. So long way to go. Won't matter till it matters. But yeah, for one week at least, the the Kyler Gordon hype from training camp seemed pretty justified. Yeah, um, and I mean, I guess one last note on the corners. Um, Blackwell sat. Um, and I, I believe who's the the guy who's fifth on the roster also say his name is like, um, it's not Gibson. It's this is this. He's probably going to be cut. Um, so we had two guys, um, who were sitting. It's notable that Kendall Filter still didn't come in. It was Michael Ojabudia coming in, um, as that third corner. And you've just got to like, like, we're going to talk in a minute about Travis Gibson without a doubt, um, he got a big chance, and he came out and showed off. They, The Bears did not seem interested in giving Kendall a chance. I think they're just telling. Whereas you might say the Bears were trying to light a fire under Travis Gibson and tell him he's not safe. I think they were trying to tell Kendall to pack his bags. Yeah, that That's right, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they update the depth chart anytime soon here, if Travis has moved his way back up, if they were maybe just trying yeah. to, to light a fire and the guy, like you said, because, uh, yeah, we were talking about Travis last week and, and how he we were shocked by how low he was among the defensive ends. Uh, and, and Travis appears to have taken that personally. He said uh, he did. He, he said did. he mean, was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's what you want to see. I mean, yeah. he, he had he had a sack. He had, or was it two sacks? He had a, and Two he sacks. Had two sacks, eight total pressures. I mean, that's eight a lot. Pressures. <laughs> that's a lot of pressures. Uh you know, that's, so. I mean, again, it feels like it felt like, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't know if you have these stats in front of you. It felt like he had more pressures in that game than he had the entire season year, after yeah. Bob left last yeah. year. Yeah. 
I mean, preseason is is preseason, and the, the Titans don't have a good starting offensive line, let alone a good backup sure. offensive line. Uh, and he was playing two quarterbacks in Will Levis and Malik Willis that we know hold the ball too long. Um, that yep. was, We talked about Will Levis and his pressure-to-sack ratio in college when we broke down quarterbacks in this draft. So did that make the job a little easier? But at the same time, you can only play the guys you play, and the most you can do is the most you can do, and that is what Travis did. He... Mm-hmm. Definitely made a statement that he is not going down without a fight. So that that was good to see from Travis for sure. We'll see if it translates uh, into anything. But I, I guess his roster spot's probably a little his his hot seat's probably a little cooler than it was a week ago for sure. Yeah. Oh, and he was working through the bag of tricks. He was pulling out a swim move. He was spinning. He was doing a bull run. Like he was winning on everything. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would feel more certain about him moving back up the depth chart if. You know, the other defensive ends. And by the way, Yannick Ngakwe didn't play. Um, Demarcus Walker didn't play. And still the other defensive ends um, were just out there like they had fire under their feet. Um, Dom Robinson didn't get too many stats, but he looked incredibly agile. Um, And he was pressuring the quarterback and causing chaos. The Zach Pickens sack was pretty much entirely a Dom stunt. His stunt was so smooth and so quick, it froze the tackle and the guard, and Zach just walked forward and laid on Will Levis, yeah. which was very funny. Yeah, I mean, we'll uh, talk we'll talk just here in a minute about about Pickens and Jervin yeah. specifically. Uh, yeah, but Terrell Lewis had two sacks, yes, a guy who... Terrell Lewis, it was really nice to see, because, I mean, Terrell Lewis has been one of the stories of camp. I mean, every yeah. day there has been a highlight of Terrell Lewis doing something, and my natural default reaction to that is oh shit our offensive line is in trouble um (laughs) so and i don't know that i that that i'm not not worried about that yet but it was nice to see him play uh a different offensive line and dominate and show off some really good bend so then it makes it a little bit easier to talk yourself into all right well maybe the bears have just found something in this guy maybe our tackles aren't terrible maybe there this is a dude with some moves, and I mean Terrell Lewis was—he's not, not not talented. I believe he was a what was he a third round pick? Yeah, he was mm-hmm. a third round pick out of Alabama um, by the Rams, and he played in a very different scheme uh, over there. But like maybe maybe there is something there. This is obviously a guy that's not not physically talented if he was drafted in the third round. Um, so yeah, for one week, anyways. Again, it was nice to it was nice to see that that was not purely a product of bears camp and, and his competition on the bears, but that the kid can flash a little bit in, in, in an actual, well, not a written, an actual game, but in a game of some kind. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, the defensive ends were up, not necessarily the part of the defensive line we were most excited to look at. Um, but it was a pleasant surprise. Do you want to talk about the other, uh, the interior, yeah. the interior. So first of all, I'm not just going to talk about, Jervin and, and Pickens here. In a second. I will say they were only in for 12 snaps on that first drive, but Justin Jones and Andrew Billings looking for more from you guys there because yep. they were they got bullied on that opening drive against the run a bit. So They did. Uh, they did. Billings, Billings got pushed back a little bit more than I, I saw yeah. on his tape from Oakland, and that's yeah. not against a great run blocking offensive no, line. No, and it was and 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 that that has come after reports of him being a dominant run stuffer in Bears camp. So, yep. uh yeah, I'm hoping the next time we see Billings it's a little bit more of what I've been hearing about in camp and not the guy that we saw on that opening drive. Um but yeah, so I was a little concerned about Justin Jones and um 
and Billings for sure. Uh, but then, yeah, our, our two rookie defensive tackles, um, Jervin and, and Pickens, you're probably hoping with Pickens that I'm going to say, well, he had a sack, so that's a great debut. But mm-hmm. you made a very good point. If you really watch the tape of that, that sack, <laughs> yeah, that sack kind of opened up for him. I didn't see, I, I didn't see anything particularly special from him on that sack. And then I didn't see anything special from him on basically any other rep of the football game. Um, and unfortunately, I know people don't love pro football focus grades, but th- they were not kind to Zach, and, and they were pretty kind to just about everybody else we've been talking about, and they weren't super kind to Jervin Dexter. Travis, this week, we're should... swerving a little sadly, are we not? I was going to say, I don't know if I should play it. Should I it... should play a sad, sad I feel version. Like, I feel like the bit is the bit. Like, we have to honor... All right, we're, we're going to hit it. Uh, okay. Folks, just imagine this is the chopped and screwed version. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 84s. When we're rolling up, Kyle. You know, he he wasn't hollering at nobody uh, in this game, Jervon. He had a couple of very strong reps early, I thought. Um, he had a couple of plays where the Titans just, um, what I think of as zero read plays, um, but just they were going to get the ball out quick. That was the whole idea, snap throw, uh, where he just threw himself right through the line. Uh, and if you know they had been holding on to the ball, he might have got something. But um, especially compared to Zach next to him, I thought he gassed, and he just gassed quick, you know, because he he did not have it in him to get off the ball for almost the entire rest yeah, of the game. The, he held the point. He held the point yes. of attack, but that's not worth that much on a pass play. Well, right? that's, yeah, that was, I mean, that, he looked like Jervin Dexter's college tape. A little he did. More, he, and that he was, stood up a couple times, and he was, looked into the and, backfield on the snap. And, I mean, we knew this was going to take time. We knew it was not going to be, but but the reports from camp had been positive enough. You had maybe mm-hmm. hoped just to see a little bit more. But, yeah, what I saw was mostly the same guy mm-hmm. I saw on his college tape. He stood up a couple times. The get-off was not great. He did not fire off the ball. He did not get pushed back. Very often he held his ground because he's just a big, strong guy. But, you know, if they're asking him to play three technique, that is a guy who needs to do more than hold the point of attack. He needs to he needs to be the attack. Yes. Zach. Zach showed a lot more fight, I think, in what he was trying to do. And uh, he ate a couple double teams and he was he was actually moving towards the backfield. Not strongly, um, but he was out there throwing hands. He was trying different things. Um, and I think Jervon kind of got stonewalled and he defaulted to trying to push. Um, and it just seemed like he didn't have the energy. Now you talked about camp, we should probably bring it up since we're talking about Jervon now, but one of the stories out of these scrimmages with the Colts has been that, um, the person Yannick Ngakwe has taken the most interest in is Jervon Dexter. Uh, not one of the other defensive ends. He's been working with Jervon, um, and we've talked about it for the last month or so, but one of the things you keep hearing is that, if Javon screws something up, he tries to find somebody who can help him fix it. Um, and I guess he's just been, you know, going going nuts, like questioning Yannick Ngakwe, trying to get his moves. How do you do this? And Yannick had good things to say about his get-off. He said, I think he gets off the ball really well. I think he has a fast first step. He just has to know when to use it, and he has to know why to use it. And that's what we're talking about right now. So 
that's good news to me, um, at least. But yeah, I mean, I was hoping to come in here and have a really good time talk about how Jervon was just throwing dudes around or had a couple of good plays. But yeah, he, I, I he just unfortunately you, didn't. I, I don't did. know. I wanted that for you, son. Well, and I mean, this is not doom and gloom. We are not panicking here. We always said... At the first preseason game, you know. <laughs> no, and we always said these guys are projects. And think about projects. Yep. Projects very often, I mean, this is going to be a year long. There are going to be days where Jervin Dexter really flashes, and there are going to be days where he seems like a total liability. That is what happens with project players as rookies. Uh, yep. We weren't really expecting anything preseason week one, but at the same time, there had been enough nice things in camp that you were like, well, maybe we can be more optimistic than we thought. And and so far I would say, well, not quite. Um, yeah. But yeah, speaking about a guy who I don't think we're, I think we're completely out of optimism at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Valus. I think I know who you're talking about. Valus, yeah. Valus, Valus. I mean... I would like in his twilight years for this senior citizen to have enjoyed some success, but <laughs> I mean, I, I felt so bad for him. God, I didn't, I like, I, 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 God knows I make so many jokes about Valus, but like, I really, I really did want to believe the story that this kid has been flashing as a punt returner in camp that he's figured it out. I mean, he is, he is dynamic when the ball is in his hands, but God fucking damn it son it should not be so hard to get the ball in your hands i the bears announcers uh literally as the ball hit the ground and bounced backwards were saying oh no just just but they were like oh i see exactly what he's gonna do how could he do that you know exactly the way to secure your spot on this team you know the old maybe if you keep dropping passes from a quarterback the only way you're going to get a spot on this team is to fix your punt return thing and somehow the ball bounces on the ground and you think yeah i better run up into the teeth of the fucking kicking team and touch it and and like maybe i'll hold up like what is the what is the upshot are you going to run, dude? Like, are you trying to stop the ball from rolling another 10 yards? Yeah. Give I it, like, it why go. are you this bad? Yeah. Just, I mean, and I feel bad for him because I'm sure he's just desperate to prove himself somehow. But, like, I, well, and I mean, he apparently had a couple of really nice catches against the Colts in these scrimmage practices and stuff. But at this point, I don't. I don't know that it matters. Like I, I don't mean, think I care. Yeah, his path <laughs> yeah. to the roster is not at wide receiver right now. Like it'd be nice mm-hmm. if he flashes; that helps. But like his path, his path to the roster. Cause, I mean, they're not cutting Tyler Scott for him, not as a rookie. So his path to the roster is to prove that he can be a punt returner, and yeah. his first opportunity fucked it up. So I, maybe he gets a couple more of these next two preseason games. Maybe he's been flawless in practices, but like. It's it is getting late early for our friend Vellis. It really is. Yeah, and I mean, look, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything definitive about Tyler Scott, but boy, is it difficult to watch in the same game two mid round wide receivers taken by the same GM who have the exact same issues. Seemingly with Scott, it seems like he can't hold on to the damn ball either. You know he fumbled that ball very easily he's having a hell of a time catching passes and it uh i'd like to declare a moratorium 
uh, like I did on Jerry Angelo drafting safeties in the middle rounds, I think Ryan Poles need to stop drafting fast wide receivers who can't catch in the middle rounds, maybe. Well, uh, now, of course, I'm not putting a nail in a coffin for Tyler Scott, but watching that game and seeing basically the same dude do the same thing, that it really just drove the point home where I was like, this, I, I don't know about this, man. Yeah, um... The thing about Scott, though, is is unlike a lot of those guys, especially unlike Valus, the reports are that th- this is a kid that is a wide receiver. He he he. He was a running back to begin with in college. <laughs> it's not that different from Valus no, being a kick returner. No, you know? but I mean, like the thing about the reports about Scott are like his routes are crisp. They are sure. good. He runs the right routes. He gets separation. He has fantastic moves. He he. He, on all parts of the play, up until the ball hits his hands, he has really yeah. looked like a first round pick. Yeah. And then he has just been real hit or miss when it time when it comes time for that. Whereas Valus Jones, the guy, doesn't really understand the fundamentals of the position. And then in addition to that, he's not even a good gadget player because you can't trust him to hang on to the ball when you gadget it to him. Yep. So it's. So I will give Tyler Scott that I think he I think he is a wide receiver with bad hands at the moment from all reports and Valus never going to be elite never going to have elite hands. Valus Jones is just an athlete who sometimes puts on football pads and no one's really quite sure what to do with him. He's just not. Mm-hmm. He's a specialist who doesn't specialize. He is a punt returner yeah. who can't return punts. He is a specialist who doesn't specialize. Is I mean, exactly was, the way I would put it. That was what I was talking. About. I mean, I, I would when he muffed that punt. I was like, you know, the Bears have done have run this movie back a few times where they have had that excellent kick returner who they try to be try to force into being a wide receiver. This is the first time where they have tried. It, it's a whole new playbook. They they they're now taking that guy and he's not even good at being a returner. They're just they're just drafting fat, a fast guy who may or may not have played football before yeah. in Valus Jones. They're just like, hey, you, you know, do you want to be a Chicago Bear? You seem fast. So, yeah, I mean, I saw Dante Pettis return punts last year. He did fine. Yeah. He, he's I mean, a good I, punt returner. Let's just leave it at that and cut Valus and let's I mean, that's, be done yeah, with that's, it. That, uh, this competition has never even been Valus versus Dante Pettis. It's been Valus against himself because if yeah. – if Valus could give them any reason to justify keeping him on this roster, they'd do it. And he can't he can't even do that. Yep. That's grim. That is It grim. is. I'm, it I'm is. Not, I mean, I have no hope for him at this point. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't I don't want to be down on the kid. I would love to him to justify that pick in some way, but I think the ship has sailed. We're running out of time. Uh so yeah, last thing on the the guys with something to prove. Um Jatiri positive Carter. note. We need another positive yeah. note. Yeah. Jatiri Carter. Hello. All yeah. right, man. Um, Absolute he looked, beast. <laughs> he looked good in every facet of the game. He was flawless he as a pass blocker. He was flawless as a runbacker. He got out in front on those screens. That was that was a hell of an effort from the kid. So I had heard all offseason long, and we talked about this when we were when we were doing our our breakdown of the offensive depth chart entering camp. I said. I would like to see them add another interior offensive lineman veteran uh, because as it is right now, you don't trust the health of Nate Davis and you don't trust the health of Tevin Jenkins. 
I would like one more guy, but I understand why they haven't signed that guy yet. Because you want to get into camp, and you want to see if maybe there's something there with Alex Leatherwood as a reserve guard. And and supposedly they liked Jatiri Carter. Um, but I was like, obviously you have to see how camp goes, and if those guys are looking bad in practices and stuff every day, you can't just roll in, into the season with that mm-hmm. as, your, as your number three guard. But you can at least give them some reps in camp to see if there's something there. And I think with Jatiri Carter... I think there is something there. Maybe this is a guy who slowly develops into a starter by 2024. Um, I'm not sure if they see him. I've heard they've had him taking some snaps too. So maybe that's their long-term plan there. Uh, Yeah, maybe, but yeah, no, I would say if he can repeat that performance, these next two preseason games for sure, then you don't really feel the need to go out there and find a Dalton Risner or another interior uh, offensive lineman as you know if he has two more efforts like that you would say yeah okay if Tevin Jenkins is out for a couple games which tends to happen if Nate Davis is out for a couple games which tends to happen uh they can run to Chiree out there and he's going to do a good job he's a guy they can trust yeah I don't know if you've uh if you've got those PFF grades handy um but yeah it's very rare for a guard to stand out while I'm watching a game back just for the sake of you know like getting fodder to talk about here um but you could tell as the game went on, like left guard was having some trouble, right guard was dominating, like and the run game dominating, pass blocking. Um, I there was no fault in his game, and so we had to. It was, it was, you got to run out to PFF was, and be like, "Is this actually yeah, what I yeah, saw? Do like, you agree?" Like 90, and they did. I think, it, I think it was like a ninety-two overall grade. I mean, it was a flawless. Yeah. It was a flawless performance, and yeah, it is the preseason. That yep. is that is we. You know, you can say that every fucking time. We know. We get it. Yep. But all you can play, I, the only guys you can play are the guys you can play, and that was a flawless performance. So we we say it every week, you know, like a good performance doesn't necessarily tell you they're going to be great during the season, but it ain't bad, you know. No, bad performance I mean, might tell you something's wrong, I've, but yeah. And I have seen some bad Bears offensive linemen in the preseason, yeah. and it's been a good indication that a bad year in pass protection was coming. So yeah, Jatiri. Certainly, he could be well on his way to locking down that number three guard spot, in which case, good for him. So, yeah, that was some good news. That would be a good story. That would be it would upgrade, again, Ryan Poles' – because, you know, it does take some time to, to accurately judge a draft class. Yep. So, if Kyler Gordon has a good year, too, which is, seems like a possibility, if Jaquan Brisker, uh, who already flashed a lot as a starting safety last year, if he continues to evolve um, – yeah, Velas Jones looks like a loss. I'm gonna have to eat that one. Yeah. But if then you found a couple offensive linemen, even even if Jatiri is just a solid swing backup guard, that's that's a Braxton Jones plus a swing guard. That's a pretty good haul for yeah. one draft class where they didn't have a lot of picks to begin with. So um, yeah, we'll see. But yeah, it, it, hard to argue with what Jatiri has did in that game. I mean, that was, like I said, it was a flawless effort for sure. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's important because I mean, Jatiri might as well be a starter um, for what we can assume is going to happen during the season at guard. They're not going to play all 17 games. I can pretty much guarantee it. He's going to be playing. He might end up playing, um, you know, 15 games. He might start 15 just at one position well, or another. He's, it's going to be huge to have him actually working out. So well, and not only that, Lucas Patrick, uh, it's not yeah. exactly the picture of health. He stayed at, struggled to stay healthy all last year, and he struggled to stay healthy in camp this year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there is opportunity for Carter. That is for damn sure. So Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then uh, I guess the other big story this week, 
I don't think we need to spend a lot of time asking what we want to see in this upcoming preseason game against the Colts. Yeah. For one, they've already said Justin Fields is, is not going to play, which probably means a lot of offensive starters are not going to play. Uh, so, obviously, in a very basic stance, you know, the guys that do play, we want to see things out of. If Darnell Wright plays, we want to see Darnell Wright play well. We want to see more from Travis Gibson's, the Terrell Lewis's. You want to see that. Yep. Obviously, I'd like to see Tyler Scott and Velas Jones hand on hanging onto the fucking ball. But otherwise, I don't think this preseason game has a lot of stuff that we're we're looking for. But the Bears did have two days of scrimmages with the Colts, and a lot of players will tell you those scrimmages are often more meaningful than the preseason games themselves because um, that's when you do get some one-versus-one stuff, um, and, and then you can take some meaning from that. So uh, some good matchups. So the general vibe I'm getting is that, you know, Justin Fields didn't exactly dominate, but he was very good, very crisp in both uh, both days in terms of one-on-ones and seven-on-sevens. Uh, and in 11-11 and 11-on-11 stuff, they he did flash quite a bit in terms of the connection with DJ Moore. He had a nice bomb to Bayless Jones. He did have a tipped interception, unfortunately. But yeah, I don't... It, it sounds like the offensive line performed better against the Colts than it has been doing against the Bears' own defensive line. Uh, which you did in that preseason game against the Titans, too. The, the offensive line was really struggling the week of camp leading into that preseason game. It was kind of ominous, but then they held up really well against Tennessee, and they've apparently held they held up pretty well um, against Indianapolis in this scrimmage. So maybe, mm-hmm. somehow, against all odds, maybe the Bears just have a better defensive line than we thought. I, something we haven't talked about, because it feels ridiculous to be you know optimistic about the defensive line at this juncture though is Eberflus as a defensive coordinator um you know we kind of talked about this when the Bears hired him I was like his defenses have never been like the best in the league they've never been like below the middle of the league either he's usually got like somewhere between the ninth and 12th ranked defense in the league and he's doing that by cobbling together almost not not entirely spare parts but a lot of spare parts basically dudes that fit his scheme dudes that are going to work in this defense, um, especially along the defensive line. Um, And maybe that's what's going on here. You know, maybe he's got the guys now, um, because like you said, we're seeing it's dominating the Bears' offensive line, but then it's also doing it to the Titans. Then it's also doing it to the Colts. Um, You know, if we get down to the Bills in the third preseason game and they're still looking good, at some point you've got to say, like, damn, maybe they've got a stew going here. Like, maybe the Bears' defensive ends and defensive line is going to get a push. If this defensive line gets a consistent push uh, from the edges, that's a good defense with what we've got going on in the back. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably the number one thing I'm excited for watching the second preseason game is can we actually maintain this. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it sounds like in scrimmages they're doing well. Um, Scrimmages... Uh, we talked about him earlier. It sounds like the guy coming out of this with the most glow has been Tyreek Stevenson. Um, yeah, just everyone, pissing off every Colts wide receiver. The, just, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I have heard in general that Anthony Richardson was seemed pretty befuddled um, yeah. by the Bears' defense. The, the Colts' first-team offense did not have a lot of success at all. It, um, and when you're doing seven-on-sevens, you are not you're not really dealing with the blocking. What you're doing is you're having to throw it into the back teeth of this Bears' defense. And I'm sorry, man. Uh, like... Anthony Richardson is going to struggle with that if that's all you've got to do. Um, yeah. This is a good back seven with the Bears. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's which is not good. to say 
we are obviously both long-term optimists about Anthony Richardson, but he yes. is very similar to Justin Fields coming into the league where it's like right. the worst possible situation for the kid is to be like, look, this is solely a pure drop-back practice session, no play action, no nothing. You are to make a read and get the ball out quickly. Do not use your legs. And he struggled with that. He's going to struggle yep. with that for a while. Justin Fields struggled with that the first couple of seasons. One of the things that... Are, one of the things that um, Adam Johns has noted as a what he thinks is the biggest sign of progress for Fields this year, uh, and it, it happened both days against the Colts. I mean, yesterday I think they said in in seven on sevens against the Colts he went nine for nine with four touchdowns, mm-hmm. um, and seven on sevens is absolutely about executing the play as drawn up, making the right read, getting the ball out quickly. There's not a lot of room for improvisation. There's not you shouldn't be scrambling too much. It should just be it is a get the ball out quick to where it's supposed to go exercise. And we know Justin Fields struggled with that the first two years of his career. And the, the, the consistent theme throughout training camp is that that's been his where he's done his best work. Um, 11 on 11s, they get a little messier. Cause, and, and like Eberflus was saying, it's, that's not all on Justin Fields. Sometimes at 11 on 11s, it's, it, a lot of that's about the offensive line. It's about wide receivers, et cetera. But, yeah, it, it sounds like Justin Fields has consistently done good work, did good work both days against the Colts in terms of seven on seven, which tells me that his grasp of the offense is where it should be at this point. Yeah. I mean, just another thing where almost no news is good news. Um, just a lot of people saying, yep, offense looks good. Yeah. You know, it's like, ah, there's some, some things that don't go their way, but it doesn't seem like, you know, it's because they're just idiots or they don't understand what's happening, which is usually what you hear out of bears camp, right? Where it's like everybody on the bears offense looks befuddled. Yeah. Uh, right now it's just like, yep, they run their offense out there. They're, they're keeping it kind of vanilla and that's what you do in camp. And Justin looks good and crisp. And that's kind of all you want to hear. Another dude, um, I wanted to bring up who it sounds like got a big bump from that first preseason game and has been looking good is, uh, is Roche, is Roshan. He's oh God, out yes, there. He's getting first team snaps. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, he immediately got some first team snaps after impressing in the first preseason game, which Matt Nagy is something you can do. For a yes. fucking rookie who yes, dominates his first preseason game, you can start giving him reps. <laughs> you with the you can just put him there with let the him, ones. Let him start trying to earn his job. But yeah, uh, yeah, Roshan, like I said, the main obstacle that keeps most rookie running backs off the field is pass pro. And mm-hmm. he has stepped in since day one of camp and looked like a like a polished veteran in that in those reps, is what everyone has said. And so if that's the case, it's very hard. I mean, Travis Homer might be a surprise cut. Because he yep. was a guy that I thought was signed solely to be the pass-blocking specialist running back. Because it's not a hallmark of Khalil Herbert's game, and it's not a hallmark of Dante Foreman's. Um, but Travis Homer's always been very good at that. I thought that was—so I thought he was a roster lock for that. But then Rashawn Johnson gets drafted, and Rashawn mm-hmm. is showing off in pass pro. But Rashawn is also a stubborn, tackle-breaking runner. He had that fantastic Scary. run. Scary. He doesn't—so uh... So I don't, whew, I don't want to invoke this name in front of you, one of your favorite Bears of all time. But his body and the way he plays, very similar to Matt Forte. They're he doesn't look like a guy, physically, who should be running through tackles like that. He's kind of tall. He's got a lot of muscle you know, on the top of his body. You normally expect like a Deonta Foreman, a guy who's got like thighs that are the size of just, cannonballs. But he just he's running through people. He's he, getting around people. He, stays he can't low, be tackled. He, he keeps the legs churning. Yeah, no, I mean, I loved... I obviously didn't spend that much time focusing on running backs before this draft. I really didn't think the Bears would be in position to get any of the what? guys that intrigued me. I think I think what we're seeing with the sudden cluster F that we have going on is what Pulse said was true, which he almost always 
speaks the truth, even if it hurts him. Yeah, um, he's very and he said he said we didn't think he'd be there. We didn't. We, didn't, we there thought there he'd have been gone way before yeah, this. We didn't plan on it, but at that point in the fourth round, it's like this would seem like we'd be very stupid not to take this guy. So, so um, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, right. Homer's yeah. the victim of that. Foreman is going to be the victim of that. But Ebner, Ebner is probably already a victim of that. We, yeah. It's funny, we, we talked about this last week. We said, Ebner might not be screwed. And then in that preseason game, he gave off an effort that very strongly said, Ebner might be screwed. Never and then mind. immediately after, Rashawn starts getting first team reps. So that's, yeah. That might have been all she wrote for Tristan Ebner. That might have been the Bears coaching staff saying, like, look, we'll give you these first team reps until the first preseason game because you're not a rookie anymore and you have earned – a higher spot on the depth chart until someone takes it away from you. And then it seems like Rashad may have just immediately taken it away from him. Yeah. So that happens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I guess we've got a couple minutes left. We, we've covered all the bear stuff I wanted to cover. Do we want to talk briefly? Cause you know, we spent a lot of time yes. on this rookie QB class. <laughs> Do we want to talk briefly about their debuts? You know, I mean, we spend so much time talking about these guys. We got to talk about the rookie QBs and it may be a couple second year QBs. I don't know. Yeah, what well, do you want to talk about? Um, so I watched all the rookie debuts. Mm-hmm. What my, did you think? My thoughts, what we'll just go in order of when they were drafted. Uh, and when it comes to the Panthers, okay, I didn't have a lot to say bad about Bryce. But Carolina's interior offensive line looked really bad. And with what we did say about Bryce, if that is going to be their Achilles heel, that is specific. I mean, it's every quarterback. Quick pressure up the middle is every quarterback's Achilles heel. We've always said that. Tom Brady has always said that. Peyton Manning has always said that. But for Bryce Young especially, a guy who is so good within the pocket, so good at setting his feet, he has to be able to do those things, though. He is not... Uh, he does not have the kind of he, he scrambled in college, but he does not have that Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, yeah. escape the pocket speed like a bat out of hell, and he does not have that great ability to throw off platform. He's got to gather his feet underneath him. So if he's going to be consistently moved off his spot like he was in that game against the Jets, we have seen already where it's going to be hard for Bryce. I didn't think he played. I didn't think he played poorly in that game, but that offense did nothing. Because he can be contained that way if you were getting quick pressure up the middle. And so if that's going to be what Carolina's offensive line is maybe going to consistently look like, I'm excited about that draft pick, fellas. Because I think yes. I think Bryce. I don't think Bryce is going to melt down and, and you know throw 30 interceptions, but he might check down a lot and, and watch the punting team as they score 17 points a game. So. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this when we were talking about draft picks, where I thought if the Panthers took Anthony Richardson first overall, that would be worst for the Bears, because he's used to having the middle of his pocket collapse, and he's really good at moving off of that and then making off-platform plays, either throwing the ball away if he's about to get hit, or you know sprinting and, and running off. Um, and Bryce is not. Bryce doesn't like that. He doesn't like that at all. Um, he's very good at getting his feet set and throwing the ball, and that's going to give uh, guys like J.T. O'Sullivan like a, a big old boner for him, and I understand that. Um, but it's going to be hard on him. He's going to have basically the offensive line situation Justin had last year, where the middle of the pocket's going to collapse on every play, and that's going to be very tough. The other thing is Frank Reich is put in a position um, which we saw during that preseason game where you have to ask yourself the question the Bears asked with Justin last year a million times. Is it even worth it 
for me to put him out there and let him run a complicated play, let him go through his progressions and learn something when he's probably going to eat shit and he might get hurt and he's, he's going to get scared. You, it gets beat into you as the year goes on and you start becoming a different quarterback. Yeah. And we saw it during the game, Reich didn't really let him do anything. He had one pass down the sideline that was errant, but everything else was very quick. It was on hooks. It was get the ball out. And even on those plays where he was completing passes, he was getting hit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing nothing bad to say about Bryce. Nothing really good because they didn't let him do much, but I fear for him, like you yeah, do. It's, yeah, I, like I said, I don't think that means it's going to be a disaster of a rookie season in terms of his development necessarily. I think you can learn a lot while still struggling with that, but I, I do think it means Carolina might struggle to put points on the board consistently, which in terms of just the team that owns the Panthers' first-round pick is nothing but good news for us. But yeah, yeah, not I'm not saying Bryce is screwed by any means. It's just I think points might be kind of hard to come by. There's going to be a lot of punts. The, the, the option's probably going to be to tell Bryce to just check down and live to play another day uh, a lot of times. Um, yeah. But then Speaking on, of guys who might be screwed. Now, this is... <laughs> We both like C.J. Stroud, but what we do I say about C.J. Stroud is he was, of all the quarterbacks that we were looking at, was arguably the worst statistically under pressure yeah. of any of those guys. And he was the one who was most prone to – he kind of got lucky in terms of dropped interceptions, but he had the highest turnover-worthy play percentage. And so what we know about C.J. Stroud is when he is pressured, he will chuck the ball up for grabs and make a stupid decision sometimes. And yep. that Texans offensive line – was purely, even with Laramie Tunsil there, was purely theoretical last year outside of Tunsil, mm-hmm. and it looked purely theoretical in that first preseason game. And what did we see him do? He got pressured, and he just made a mm-hmm. god-awful interception, just threw it up for grabs on a third and 25, like, just... Horrible. It was horrible. JTO Sullivan always says, man, QB school always says, it is okay to punt after a third down completion, and he just yeah. made a bad I mean, play we're... We're going to talk about Tony's interception here in a minute, but yeah. at least you could give an excuse for that one. CJ, I, I like it's that was a Trubisky interception, you know. Like um, I hate to say it, but he what he looked like there, and we talked about this leading up to the draft. Where should you draft CJ Stroud? Because are you going to get the guy who played in the first half against Iowa? Are you going to get the guy who played in the second half against Michigan? Or are you going to get the guy who played Georgia? Um, and that was that was the former. This game, he he took off a couple times, but it was slow. Yeah. He was indecisive. Yeah. Um, he wasn't playing with fire there. And it's a first preseason game. Maybe you save that for the regular season, but yeah. uh, nothing short of disastrous. Well, for and then he has the same issue that Justin Fields had entering, where it took Justin Fields a whole yes. year to learn, like in the NFL, if you see the opportunity to scramble, you just take it. You just like, yeah. You, you, you can't say, okay, let me buy one more second and then scramble. Because then that hole's yep. gone. It's already gone. Yep. So, And I think he is used to just uh, like The defensive the- end on your yeah. heels, in yeah. the case of this game, he's there. Yeah. Like, if you hesitate for another second, you're yeah. done. And it's just like Justin Fields at Ohio State. They're both used to that working out. Because, yes, yep. at Ohio State, if you buy one more second... Marvin Harrison Jr., Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. One of those guys is open 50 yards downfield, for sure. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to unlearn that. The NFL does not work that way. Not when your number one wide receiver is Nico Collins? I don't even know who. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
It doesn't They're work in that. for a tough year. The yeah. Texans are going to have a very hard year. Well, and I said, you know, when we, we did our Justin Fields episode, I looked at the supporting cast for all second-year quarterbacks going back to 2009. And I said I was astonished to find out how bad the Texans' offensive line was, even with Laramie Tunsil, because their three interior yeah. blockers, the center, the guard, both guards, had true pass-set pass-blocking grades. One of them was in the single digits. I think the, the left guard, their first-round pick last year, was like a 5.6. Jesus Christ. And now, now they have added Shaq Mason, who who should be a pretty solid guard, or at least has been, but is coming off an injury, and the Bucks were willing to let him go, which usually says something. Um, but, like, yeah, if that off- if the interior offensive line is still a mess, that CJ is going to be really, really vulnerable to that, and some turnovers could follow. We've already seen mm-hmm. him once. Let's let hope he settles in, settles down. But that was a glimpse of where things could go wrong for them and go wrong for them in an ugly way. Yeah, I mean, the lazy CJ, who's just taking it easy, isn't going to cut it at all in the NFL. And we just, I don't want to malign the kid as lazy. I would say overly calm Ohio yes. State quarterback. Calm. Too, yeah. calm too calm in yes. the pocket. You, he you needs can, urgency. Yeah, you can be too calm in the NFL. Like You want calm in the pocket, but there is calm, and then there is complacent in the complacent complacent is a good word yes i don't want to call the kid lazy how dare you i I don't want to say he's lazy you're right complacent Complacent. is the word and and he just looks like he's vibing in the pocket and you can't do that yeah absolutely yeah uh and then moving on of course to the guy we're gonna see this weekend uh, anthony richardson uh i thought that was a very it was the whole anthony richardson experience i thought Uh, that's what you're gonna get every week baby fantastic deep except Steichen clearly told him not to run, yeah. uh, is the thing. But he the was told, do he, not use your legs, Tony. The few times he did, the RPOs and stuff, he, you know, he, he Cam mm-hmm. Newton'd a guy. Um, he did. <laughs> he had a, a hell of a deep ball that was dropped. And at the same time, he... I, I was referring to this, we talked about how hard, how incredible this man is at avoiding sacks. But the mm-hmm. interception he threw was like his sack avoidance gene being activated at the worst possible time because it was an RPO... There was nothing there, and his options were... His first option was probably just hand off the ball for no gain, whatever. It happens. Mm-hmm. But his option, once he kept the ball, was to see that the throw wasn't there and just and that, that a defensive end was was right in his face and just eat the sack. But we know our boy Tony does not know how to eat the sack. No, and he so doesn't he just sacks. immediately went with his throw-it-away maneuver, and he threw it away right to a defender. So he's going to have to yeah. learn not to do that. I, I will say this: that is not indicative of Anthony Richardson. You usually won't see him force a ball like that. Um, it seemed pretty clear that he thought uh, who, whatever receiver that was, was going to kind of cut back in to the ball. But he noticed that he didn't do that, and then he threw the ball. So you can't do that, Tony. You gotta you throw it out of bounds. It's like, not what just, you want. It's not no. what you want. So. But. On the other hand, he had just exactly what you're going to get from Tony. He had a couple beautiful mid-range passes between 10 and 20 yards, which were both dropped. Um, Very irritating. And he also ripped a six-yard hitch about three feet to the left of where it needed to be and dirty. So the whole, it's all there. We talked about Jervin Dexter, how you really wanted to wash the Florida off of him and and see in the first preseason game that they had, and, and it was disappointed they hadn't. Anthony Richardson, you really wanted to see him look a little better than than that tape that you saw in Florida, and you very much saw the same guy. 
But yeah, I mean, he's going to be the most entered. I'm, I'm still going to watch this preseason game if I can, even with Fields not playing, because I want to watch what Anthony Richardson does. I'm yeah. never going to pass up an opportunity to watch Anthony Richardson. Uh, he's going to be one of the most interesting rookie quarterbacks we have ever followed. Uh, but yeah, all three of those guys just not that that any of those debuts were surprising but all three of those guys were really the the things that we expected in terms of especially with Bryce Young and with CJ Stroud the things that we said worried us not so much about their game but about their situations came up immediately we yeah. we, we said how important it was going to be that CJ like I didn't want it to happen I really didn't but I I I do remember thinking like man if C.J. Stroud ends up as a Detroit Lion, that would be so perfect for him because he is a guy with those weapons. He's a, he's already a point guard quarterback, yeah. and with that offensive line, he'd be so good. And so for us, I'm glad that it didn't happen for C.J. going to the Texans with that interior offensive line being historically bad last year and maybe not improving that quickly. Uh, it's a little more worrying. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, of all the three, I would say, if I'm a Colts fan, I'm the most encouraged, but only because it seems like it was only Steichen who was giving his quarterback the reps yeah. and the plays, you know, to really try something and learn. Um, and the other two, maybe you just can't because you're worried they're going to get hit. You're worried they're yeah. going to they're going to break something. We'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that's everything I've got on the docket. Are you? Whoa! One more quarterback one thing more. Oh, that's on the right. docket. Yeah. We yeah. wanted to talk about the sad fate of um, Trey Lance. I so think. this is me. This is me taking a, I guess, a victory lap. I'm not. A, it's not one I'm happy to take. And we are not on record. The the Scottcast sadly was still at hiatus <sighs> during the twenty. If we had one podcast oh, man, and it was us ranking those, those quarterbacks, quarterbacks, we would have been so right because we, we were so right on Zach Wilson. And the thing about Trey Lance was. When he was drafted by the 49ers, I was so far off of the general consensus there because everyone was saying, what a perfect situation to be drafted into. That offensive line is great. Those weapons are great. Kyle Shanahan is the greatest of mind in the NFL, and Trey Lance gets to sit behind Jimmy Garoppolo. What an outstanding situation. And Mm -hmm. I said, neither one of us is very big on guys who are raw and have a lot to learn sitting First of all, we believe that players learn by playing. I believe Josh Allen came into the NFL as maybe the least NFL-ready quarterback I've ever seen, and I don't think he becomes the guy he is without the thousand reps that he got until he got there. Um, and the other thing is, is he was on a team that that jo- where Josh Allen's development was more important than winning those first two years, and Trey Lance was going to the exact opposite situation. He was always going to require patience. He was always going to require reps. He was always going to require a coach who could live with losing a game because Trey Lance went 15 of 31 for 170 yards. And he got none of those things. Yeah. He went to a team that already had an established quarterback that he was going to have to sit and learn. Uh, And he went to a coach who is notorious, whose dad was notorious for doghousing young players over the most trivial bullshit, for not being patient, you know, people kept saying, well, Kyle Shanahan clearly thinking of when he had RG3 in Washington and his offense was so good. And I was like, "Was the well, am I the only one that remembers that that movie ended with the Shanahans combining to drive him out of town so that they could start Kirk Cousins? He was never their guy. They did adjust their offense to fit RG3, and then they immediately resented it. Yep. So this was never a perfect marriage. It was a marriage from hell. 
And so I don't – the thing about Trey is wherever he goes, I don't think it matters now anymore either because I don't think he, he's a one-year project. I think he's a two-year project, and nobody that's going to trade for a reclamation like that. That guy – get those guys get like five, six years. Remember Josh Rosen? The Dolphins traded a two for him. He got like five starts, and then they were done. They moved yeah. on. You don't get patience if you're not a, an organization's first-round pick. Uh, and apparently being the number three overall pick was not enough to guarantee him their patience anyways. So – I think there's a different world where Trey Lance goes to a team that is more that is committed to Trey Lance before they're committed to winning and that rides out the storm with him and maybe someday he figures it out. But I think that ship has sailed and I think he's never going to be the player that he's never going to get the opportunity he needs to fail and, and learn from his failures and become the player that maybe he could be. That ceiling remains high but it's farther away every day i i mean i think maybe i was more verbose in my hatred of trey lance originally and it was only beat by how much we both hated zach wilson with a passion um but i've never i think mike lombardi who i almost always disagree with he basically said that he, he thought trey lance didn't have you know, uh, basically, we thought in his head. Let's not praise Michael. Uh, he brought the mothers into this. We don't need. Let us leave the mothers out of this. But what he was saying um, is basically what I agree. What I've agreed with this whole time, which is that Trey Lance is a very good athlete. He's an incredible athlete. But unlike a guy like Anthony Richardson, unlike a guy like Justin Fields, uh, he does not have the the whatever you want to call it, spatial awareness, the the QB brain to play the game. And he's never demonstrated well, I mean, that he he walks into traps like Mitch Trubisky. Mitch is a perfect corollary to Trey Lance. You are bringing he's, up way too much Mitch today. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, but they're very similar, are they not? You are on timeout next week for Mitch Trubisky okay. references. No more Mitch next week, but... Yeah. This is what I'm trying to say is, when Mitch throws a pick, you say, Mitch didn't understand what was going on on that play, and he threw it right into a defender he didn't expect to be there. And that's Trey Lance. He just, he's not thinking about what's going on in the play. And I, they drafted him over Justin Fields. They should have just taken Mac Jones. What is wrong with the 49ers? I don't want to feel sympathy for Trey Lance, because I, like you, I thought that was a terrible pick. I wouldn't have drafted him. Certainly wouldn't have drafted him to play quarterback. But give him a shot. Right? I was I was higher on Trey than you. I like I said I I was I had him as my QB three in that draft behind oh, field you, comfortably. Yeah, you had McCorkle uh, below Trey Lance because you really don't like the idea of drafting a Mac Jones comfortably behind Trey Lance, but or comfortably behind Justin Fields. But like I said, I think. And I felt the same way about, we already talked about Malik Willis. I felt the same way when people were saying, oh, Malik Willis gets to sit behind yeah. Ryan. Like, that's not what Malik Willis needs. You, These guys have to learn by playing. They need the reps. I was so glad the Colts named Anthony Richardson their week one starter because I don't think anything Anthony Richardson needs to learn, he's going to learn on the bench. He's yep. got to learn, he has got to learn to fix his footwork and he's got to learn to take a little cheese off on his short passes and he's got to learn... I don't think you learn any of that from the bench. And Trey Lance, I knew he had the fewest pass attempts in college of any first-round quarterback ever. I didn't realize that on top of that, the kid had only thrown 99 passes in high school. Yeah. So since 2019, this guy has, since 20, sorry, since 20, I don't know, when would he have started high school? 2014, 2015? In the last decade of this man's life, he has still 
thrown fewer than 600 total pass attempts. Mm-hmm. And Justin Fields had 600-plus pass attempts in college, and a lot of people said he didn't have enough experience. Yeah. I mean, compared to, like, Kenny Pickett, I mean, this is an egregious example because Kenny Pickett was a fifth-year, was a five-year starter, and it has, like, the second-most pass attempts of any first-round quarterback ever behind Phillip Rivers. But Kenny Pickett threw, like, 1,600 passes in college alone. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields threw almost 1,000 less than that. And Trey Lance threw less than half of what Justin Fields threw in college. And we've seen how steep the learning curve for Justin Fields has been, and we didn't expect it to be as steep as it was. But we've seen how steep it is. And then Trey Lance, it's it's even steeper. He needed mm-hmm. to play. He needed to play constantly, and the ship has sailed. So that's a bummer for Trey. The 49ers yeah. are, you know, they're still stirring the Brock pot. So they, they think they've figured this out anyways. But can't believe, I mean... Like, and that's the other thing. You know, Brock Purdy is not the long-term answer at quarterback, and Shanahan should know that. Like, I, there is a world in which he simply drafted Mac Jones, and everybody is happy here, uh, I, you know? Uh, and the Bears still end up with Justin Fields, and Trey Lance is so, on some terrible team that was like, you know what, buddy, you get two years to try it. Like, I, I'm right about Trey Lance in this case, and like you said, it feels bad. Because it doesn't feel like he got a fair shot. It doesn't feel like anyone ever wanted to give him a chance to actually succeed here. And his the, coach is like, let's take this dipshit from Iowa State who threw the worst interception of all time uh, rumor, and play him forever. The rumor has always been that the GM wanted Trey and Shanahan did not. Yep. Although I've recently heard someone trying to push a rumor that it was the exact opposite, which doesn't make any sense at no, all. No, there's no um, way. But the rumor is always that, that the GM wanted the quarterback and the head coach did not. And I don't know if there has ever been a time in the history of football where the GM forcing the quarterback on the head coach has ever worked out. Washington tries it once per decade, at least. Steve Spurrier didn't want Patrick Ramsey. Joe Gibbs didn't want Jason Campbell. The mm-hmm. Shanahan didn't want RG3. Jay Gruden didn't want Dwayne Haskins. They keep doing it, and it never works out. And there's a lot of other reasons those guys didn't work out too, but I just I don't know that co- coach wants XQB, GM wants YQB. It never works out, and teams keep doing it. So, I you didn't even bring up Steve Spurrier wanting to bring in every Florida quarterback that he ever coached. I, uh, I don't know. I just felt like bringing that up. You're going to talk Matthews, about Washington yeah. QBs. Yeah. Remember when Shane Matthews like was made to go out and ask if he could use the number nine? From Sonny Jurgensen, and Sonny said okay. Why would and he then say yes to that? He said okay, but then Dan Snyder came in and said, even though I told you it would be okay if he said yes, it's not okay. You can't use number nine. That might be the one smart thing Dan Snyder's ever done. You don't want Shane remember, Matthews sullying that. Dan was the one who told him yes Incredible. if Sonny says yes, so... Uh, that's right. that's a good place to I end guess the it is, today. yeah. All right, yeah. well, we covered a lot of good stuff, folks. Thanks for joining us. The season approacheth. We'll see you next week as we talk about preseason game number two. Now you know I'm leaving